Merry Christmas. For those of you who may not know, my name is Chris, and I am the lead pastor here, and uh, along with my beautiful wife, Susie, who's over there, we are just so amazingly grateful that you have chosen to spend Christmas Eve with us uh, tonight. I'm not going to keep you long with any kind of announcements, but I will tell you this. Uh, we would love for you to join us on Sundays if you don't do that already, but next Sunday, uh, we are having something special. We are having what we do about once every six months. It's called a night of worship. So next Sunday at four o'clock, we'll be ringing in the new year uh, in a night of worship to our God. And this year we're talking about the theme of God as our protector, that he can protect us through the new year. So if you want to come back and join us, uh, we'll be here at four o'clock. We will not be here at 1030, which is our normal time every Sunday. So other than next week, we meet at 1030. I'm glad you're here. Let me pray for us. Holy Father, Quiet our hearts. Remove all the distractions that came in with us from outside. Help us in this time to focus on you and you alone because you alone are worthy. We want to thank you once again, God, for your gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Without him, we're lost. So we just ask that you continue to fill this place with your spirit, to fill this place with your presence, to fill this place with your love, to fill this place with your grace and your mercy, God. Use me in any way you see fit. Let all that comes out of my mouth be of you. And I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and together as a church, we'll all say, Amen. And if you're at home, uh, go ahead and type amen for us. Um, I, I want to do a little bit of audience poll here. How many of you guys are uh, traveling somewhere or visiting somewhere for Christmas tomorrow? Anybody kind of going to a... Nobody? One hand over there. One hand over there. All right. How many of you all are hosting a bunch of people at your house tomorrow? So, like, we got a bunch of people who ain't doing nothing, right? Is that what you're saying? All right. All right. I got it. I got it. That's right. Okay. I'm good with that. One thing I love about Christmas, though, and maybe you agree with this, is it always brings back those memories of years past, doesn't it? It always brings back those memories of my childhood, getting things like the $6 million man and Merlin in my Christmas goodies. Y'all remember those things, right? And if you don't, then we can't be friends because I'm way older than you. That's all right. To a time when things were much simpler. Anybody ever want to go back there to a time when things were simple? And we always seemed happy. Nowadays, nobody seems happy anymore. We think about things like the carefree lives we lived when we were younger. We think about the home we grew up in. Think about family who maybe isn't with us anymore. And those times when we all would get together and just be in a house too small with too many people. Think about our favorite present. My favorite present, by the way, was, um, I might have told you guys this before because I say a lot of the same things, a blue Huffy Omni 10-speed bike. 
And it wasn't that it was a cool 10-speed bike and I thought I was cool to have a 10-speed bike. The only reason this was my favorite present was because it was blue. Blue handlebars, blue seat, blue frame, blue tires. The whole thing was blue. My favorite present ever. Maybe we think about the joy we bring to other people when we give them gifts. Anybody think about that? Christmas brings up all those memories. Christmas brings up all of those kind of feelings in us. And every year, every year is the same thing. And, and even the further away I get, I remember going back home for Christmas. You? Anybody else? And the older we get, I think we all wish a little more and a little more that we could just go back there. We all wish that we could go back home. We all wish that we could have that time in our lives again. We long for it. We search for it. Or, look, I'm a realist. Maybe Christmas is not your favorite time of year. Maybe you want to forget about the things that happened in your childhood. Maybe you didn't have great memories of that. And at this time of year, maybe you're seeking to create your own memory. You're seeking to create your own version of home you're seeking to create your own joy and your own peace and your own happiness and I think if we're honest Christmas kind of messes us up a little bit Christmas kind of plays with us a little bit because we come into this season and it's all about joy and peace we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks called through the window where, where we've been looking at those things we see through the window of the Christmas story, like joy and peace and hope and love and home and family. And we've been talking about how we can not just look through the window, but bring those into a part of our lives every day. But Christmas puts this idea in our head that we just love to chase. Most of us are longing for our version of a perfect life. Most of us are longing for our version of a perfect set of friends, of our version of a perfect family. There's not one, by the way. Our version of a perfect career. Our perfect home. We're all searching for that. We spend a lot of our energy doing that, don't we? We spend a lot of our time searching for the home we think we want. And we think, let me tell you, this is what we do. We think if I could just have a little bit more of this thing over here, then it'll be right. I'll have the perfect home. If I can have a little bit more money in the bank, then everything will be good. I got that nest egg. My home will be perfect. If I could have just a little bit more success in my career. So let me work 14 hours every day for the next 25 years until I'm too old to do anything in the perfect home that I have worked for. If I could just have a little bit more comfort, a little bit more of the nice things in my life, then my perfect home would be complete. Maybe a little bit more fun is what you're looking for. Anybody want to have a little bit more fun in this world? Yes. Maybe a little bit more fun is your idea of the perfect home. Maybe you're just looking for a little bit more purpose or meaning in your life. And if you had that, that would be the perfect home for you. We like to create the home we've always longed for, don't we? We live a lot of our life looking for that perfect home. But you ever wonder why that doesn't work? I don't know that I've ever asked somebody, if you could 
Would you tell me honestly, is your life, is your home, whatever you want to call it, is it perfect? I have never had anybody ever say, oh, yeah. Never happens. We search. We long. We chase. We invent. We do all these things. But no matter what we do, it never seems to look like the picture we have in our mind, does it? And Christmas messes with us. Christmas gives us all these nice little silhouettes through the window, fireplaces and turkeys and hands and people singing around a piano. Does anybody really do that? I mean, I don't know, when was the last time? When was the last time you went to somebody's house for Christmas and they're like, let's sing a Christmas carol? I've never had that happen in my whole entire life. Hallmark messes with us just as much as Christmas does. Truth. I'm coming to y'all's houses tomorrow and we're singing Christmas carols. I'll bring my little keyboard with me. Me and Davey, we'll be down there. I got a little secret for you guys. Because we long for this home. We search for this home. We want this home. We do everything we can in our lives to make that picture-perfect home. But the home we long for only serves to point us to a home we already knew. I want to think about that for a minute. The reason we long for our version of the perfect home, the reason we love all the Christmas stuff that comes in and we long for that in our lives is because we were created to know a perfect existence. We were created to know a perfect home all the way back in the beginning of God's word when God created everything there was out of nothing. It was paradise. It was paradise. The world was not jacked up. There was no darkness. There was no sin. There was no big fat meanies. There was none of that. We lived in perfect communion with God. And deep down inside, I think we all still know that. Deep down inside, even though we may not realize it, even though we may not think about it, even though it may not surface in our lives, and we're like, oh, that's why. We want that, and we chase it, and we chase it deep in our soul. We still want the home we were created to have. We still want that peace. We still want that joy. We still want that love. We want that warmth. We want that comfort. We want that safety. We spend our whole lives chasing what we already know. But we rarely find it. In fact, it just leaves us wanting some more. And it leaves us chasing more. And I got to tell you, folks, you are not alone. This is not a new thing. This is something that has been happening since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve messed up and got us all in trouble and got us separated from God. This has been the condition of all humanity. We have been searching and searching and searching. In fact, I want to... I want to talk about a story in Luke's gospel tonight. And it's a story about a man who had two sons. And we don't know much about them other than one is called the older son and one is called the younger son. Man had two sons, an older son and a younger son. Now, we can gather from the story that the man provided a, a perfect home for his children. They didn't need anything. They didn't want anything. We, we gather that the father probably had lots of money, that he was well off. He probably loved his sons. That's what I would consider a pretty close to perfect home. How about you? And one day, the younger son decides, 
He doesn't want to be in that perfect home anymore. And so he goes to his father and he says, Dad, all that inheritance you got stored up for me that I would get when I die, I want you to give that to me now. Basically what this son was saying to his father is this, I wish you were dead so that I can have what I can have. And that's kind of where we pick up this story. We're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. If you want to turn there, that's fine. We got Bibles over there. We got Bibles in the back. You can use your phone. You can read up here. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 13. The father gives the son the money, and then this is where we pick up. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This younger son decided he wanted to go out on his own and chase what he thought in his brain was the perfect home, the perfect life. He left the home that he had to chase what he thought was a better home, to chase what he thought was a better life. He was probably comfortable. He was probably secure. He was probably surrounded by family and friends, and yet he left anyway. And this is what we all do. This is what every one of us does until we come back into a relationship with Jesus. He's no different than us. I did this myself. This is a true story. When I was young, college age, my parents told me, as long as you stay in school, we will pay for everything you need. True story. True story. That's exactly what they told me. You stay in school, we'll take care of your gas money, we'll take care of your insurance, we'll take care of your food, we'll buy your clothes. You don't need to do anything except for focus on school, get good grades, do your best, and you know what your boy did? I dropped out. I quit. Quit school. You know why? Because I thought I had an idea of a better life. Not only did I quit school where I was promised to be at home with everything I needed taken care of, but then I decided I needed to move out and live on my own. No skills. No job. Nothing. Part of a degree that I had finished. True story. And so then I decided I was going to move in with a couple of friends of mine, Billy and Jen. And that was amazing. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Until it wasn't. Until I realized that it takes an awful lot of money to pay rent and utilities and phone and food. You know, food costs a lot of money. That's probably where my love of ramen noodles came into play. That's okay. Ten of them for a dollar was all it was back then, but that's, you know. It was good. Until it wasn't. Then I was miserable. And if you've ever been there, 
If you have ever been there, maybe you came to the same realization I came to, and maybe you came to the same realization that our main character here, the younger son, said in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Excuse me. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. While he was a long way off, his father ran to him. Now, this paints a picture that the father just wasn't like, well, if he wants to come home, he can come home. I'm not going to seek him. I'm not going to do anything. He left. It's his bad. It paints this picture that the father, every day, was sitting at the window, watching, waiting. Is my son coming? Is my son coming? Is my son coming? Is he here yet? Is he here yet? And then that one day, he looked out in the distance, and he saw a figure walking down the road. It doesn't say that the son got, made it all the way to the house. It doesn't say in some translations, it says the son wasn't even at the gate yet. And the father runs out to the son, throws his arms around him, welcomes him home, throws a party for him. The text says that he put a robe on him, put the family signet ring on him, put sandals on his feet, threw a party, killed the fatted calf, barbecue for everybody. The father welcomed him back to the place he always belonged, the home he was meant to be in. Now, you might have guessed, this is not your typical Christmas story. It's not. In fact, most translations call this the parable. It's a parable Jesus tells, the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son, but it, it, it is a parable that speaks so poignantly to us as human beings. True, true. It is not about little cute baby Jesus in swaddling clothes and lambs and sheeps and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's not about Joseph. It's not about Mary. It's not about the wise man. It's not about this kid who believed that a drum solo was the thing that a new delivered mother needed at that very point in time. It's not about any of that. It's not. It's more than that. It's more than that. And you know what? If it's even possible to be better than the birth of Jesus God with us, I think this might just be. I think it might be better. Because the beginning of Jesus' story is amazing. The fact that God loved us so much that he sent his only son to this earth to be God and human, fully God and fully human, all at the same time. The fact that God's grace and love and mercy pours out so much in the form of Jesus that he sent him. That's amazing, right? I mean, come on. But the beginning is only amazing because the end is even better. Because the end is even better. Now, that's an amazing story. We all love a good ending, don't we? Some of you guys like to read. I don't. But you know how it is. The beginning of the book, you open that brand new book, and the beginning within like the first, you know, five sentences, you are hooked. You're hooked. You want to know more. 
You want to know more, and you keep reading and reading and reading and reading. It just gets better and better and better and better and better. And then that ending hits, and you're like, I never saw that coming. I need to read this book again. And then you put it back on your shelf. And like three months later, you read the book again and again and again and again. Now, for me, I don't read, but I do watch movies. It's the same thing. And I'm going to be watching a movie tonight. When I go home, I'm going to be watching my all-time, 100% favorite movie ever in the world. It's a Wonderful Life. Come on, give me some love. I will cry like a baby, the same as I do every time. It's just like that. We, we look at the story opens up, and we see George Bailey. We get to know about his life. We get to know who he is. We get to know that he, he desires a home that is not where he is. He has this grand idea that he's going to go out in the world and make a home for himself, and he's got all these great plans, and none of that ever happens. But the ending is so much better because in the final scenes, George Bailey realizes that the home he was always meant to be in was the place he was right there, right there. The beginning of Jesus' story is amazing. God in human form to be with us. But the end, now that's something. That's something, because while we long for a home we can never find, while we long and search and try to invent and do all the stuff in our human capacity to make a life and a home and a place that we think is perfect, a place that we never find, a place that we can never really have, a place that doesn't even really exist except in our own imaginations, while we're out searching for that home, Jesus brought home down to us. While we're out searching for that place, while we're out trying to invent it in our brain, God said, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to bring it down to you. Jesus, in human form, brought home down to us. Not just any home, but the home we were always meant to have. The home that was our home by original design. The home that says you can be with God all the time. All the time. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was to welcome us back home. The beginning is amazing. We love the little baby. We love little baby Jesus. I do. But the end, that's the whole reason he came. And we know this because he tells his guys in John chapter 14, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. Listen, Jesus, right now is up there hanging wallpaper, painting trim, making sure the windows are clean, and there's blinds all over it for every one of you. For every one of you. Every one of us. Everybody who comes to a relationship with Jesus by saying, Jesus, I believe you came to earth to be God with us. We get to live there. That's the home we were meant to have. From the moment he came, he was preparing our homecoming. He's been inviting us. He's been welcoming us. He's been living for us. He died for us. He has been making a way. God says, I cannot be, be separated from you anymore. You're my most valuable creation. I need to give you a way to get back to me. And he sent Jesus in the form of a little baby, unassuming Jesus. Nobody would expect that for us. Like the father in our story, God 
is running to us in the form of Jesus with his arms wide open. He's throwing a robe around you and he's putting his family ring on your finger and he's throwing a party for everybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. That's what he does. He adopts us as his children. That's our true home. He welcomes us home with open arms. Listen, no matter how long you've been away, no matter how long you've been running, no matter how long you've been searching, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times you have gone back to what you were doing before, he says, come on, come on. You come to him, he will hold your face, and he will say, welcome home, child. Welcome home. Welcome home. It's amazing, whatever you're searching for, whatever home looks like to you, whatever things you can invent in your mind that might make it better, Jesus provides every one of them. Whatever you need, Jesus provides it. Whatever you long for, Jesus provides it. Whatever you have missed in your childhood, Jesus provides it. Whatever you're missing now, Jesus provides it. You're longing for comfort, Jesus says, I am close to the brokenhearted. Come to me, put your head on my shoulder. I will wrap my big Jesus arms around you and I will cry with you. If you're looking for peace, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace that the world cannot give so that you don't have to be afraid, so that you don't have to be troubled. If you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for joy, he says, my joy can be in you, and you are my joy. You are the whole reason I came to this earth. If you're looking for friendship, we just talked about this last week, Jesus calls you his friend. Think about that. The God in heaven calls you his friend. If you're looking for love, And we're all looking for love, aren't we? The right kind of love. Listen, there is no deeper love than a God who would give up his throne in heaven to welcome you home. To welcome you home. The question is, will you walk through the door? That's the question. Because Jesus didn't come to this earth so we could look at cute little pictures of a baby Jesus and see all those, you know, stories and Christmas carols and all that kind of stuff. He came to bring home down to us. He came to bring us back home to the home we're longing for, but we can't find in this world. And it's not just here, folks. Scripture tells us that no eye has ever seen and no ear has ever heard. And no mind can imagine what God has planned for you. For you. Blows my mind every time I hear that. He is standing at the door with his arms wide open, calling you in. So will you go home for Christmas? Maybe you came in here tonight and all those things I said just hit home. You're constantly on this treadmill, searching, longing, wanting, seeking, and always finding a door that's closed, always finding something that just makes you want more. But Jesus gives us everything. Jesus came to this earth to be born so that he could die for us, so that he could take our sin, so that he could take our separation from God, so that he could nail it to the cross, so that he could defeat all of that once and forever for all people, so that we can come home. And there is no better gift you can give yourself at Christmas than to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. There is not.
And if you're here tonight, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about this. Why don't you do that? There is no better time. There is no better place than right here and right now. Do not wait. He came to give you a life that we cannot find in this world. It won't be perfect. It might be hard. But he says, I will be with you through it all. And in those places when you cannot walk on your own, I will pick you up and carry you. And in those times when the world seems to be coming at you, I am there in your corner. That's what Jesus does. So if you've never entered into a relationship with him, we're going to just pray as a church with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Won't you do that tonight? Ask him. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. We'll all pray this way. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross to cover my debt of sin. Jesus, I believe you rose from the grave on the third day, defeating my separation from God. Jesus, light of the world, spotless lamb, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Father in heaven, once again, thank you for that gift, the amazing gift of Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. That you loved us so much that you were willing to bankrupt heaven to bring us home. And I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit continues to work on anybody who might be just sitting on that fence saying, do I or don't I? Push them over. Push them. Tug on them. Keep working, God. Help us all to come home. We love you so much, Father. We ask that you keep everybody healthy and safe till we meet again. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Together as a church, we'll say, amen. It is our